Hi, I'm the self-development coach, Johnny Lawrence, and welcome to the Self-Development Podcast. I ended up having a panic attack in class. Basically, didn't know what it was. You know, when, when you don't know what a panic attack is, it is scary. Sort of fast forward six hours now, the doctor said, you, your, your heart rate's better than mine. You know, this is better than mine, because I calmed down. And he went through the usual questions, caffeine, and he said, stress. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm stressed, I'm a teacher, like, you know. And he said, well, that's probably what it is. He's like, you probably have too much going on. And that's the first time in my life I'd ever connected a mental cause with a physical symptom, because in my mind, I just never had experienced it. Today, I'll be talking with Charlie Burley. Charlie spent eight years plus as a school teacher. And although he enjoyed teaching, over time, both his health and his happiness began to decline. Fast forward to now and Charlie is the teacher's health coach that helps teachers feel great, find balance and forge healthier, happier lives. How are you today, Charlie? Not bad, mate. Thank you for the introduction. That's that's pretty. You can be my hype man, mate. I, I'm up for it. Yeah, I'm up for it. I uh, I actually um, I didn't want to embarrass you. There was so much more, mate. So much. More. <laughs> There's so, so much more. There was all sorts of things on there. You know, your modelling career, all those. Oh things. yeah, yeah. Bit your, of that. Your, your movie career. That time you was on X Factor. <laughs> all, all that's there. All that's there. But how are you, mate? How's yeah, things? not bad. Not yeah. bad. But good start to the day. How about yourself? Yeah, I'm okay. I'm okay. Well, I don't know if it's raining because I closed the blinds, which suggests it probably was raining. Yeah. <laughs> but but other than that, um, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm having a good week so far. Very productive. What about yourself? Anything going on in the pipeline? I sort of um, know the answer. There's a, yeah, there's quite a lot. <laughs> there's quite a lot going on. Um, at the moment, we've just opened our June intake and, you know, it's like you know, that time of the month is just, there's lots going on. Lots of, lots of people joining the team, yeah. um, lots of inquiries and stuff, which is, which is amazing. We've got quite a few guest speakers and stuff coming up in this team as well. So that's always a busy time. And we've got that event we'll probably touch on later on coming mm. up in, in London at the end of the year. So that's, uh, it's good fun. That was such a loaded question as well. I saw so I knew some of that. I just yeah, thought, yeah. <laughs> you're like, really? Make me relive it again. That's why not. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, for those that haven't come across you, mate, like tell people a bit about yourself and your sort of journey so far. Okay. So I always find these questions a bit tricky because I think, you know, who wants to hear about me sort of thing? It's this weird question, isn't it? But let's you know start I mean? with me. I do. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. I'll, I'll just let you know. Yeah. Um, so, I'll focus sort of on how I got to where I am. And, and it, to be honest, I, the more I think about it, the more I realized that this started years and years, decades ago, you know, I'm nearly 30 now. So my whole life I've kind of been in and around schools. So my mom was um, a dinner lady and a cleaner at primary schools, one of four boys and the school was around the corner from our house. And we were, you know, dad did the barbecue at the school fay, all that kind of stuff. And we ended up just being quite a big part of the school community. You know, when you have like the four Burley boys, there's like a Burley in the school for, you know, a span of like 15 years or something crazy. Like we're all spread <laughs> out. So, um, such a great yeah. name as well. Burley boys. I like that. Burley boys, yeah. Yeah. I've got a story about one of the school face totally off topic though, but I'll come back to that maybe. Um, but yeah, we were in in around the school community quite a lot. And I, to be honest, that's probably why I got into teaching myself. You know, it's it was just sort of there. And when my mum was a cleaner, I remember all, all the time I used to spend, I was the youngest by by about sort of um, four years. So my older brothers would be you know, able to go out and play and stuff. And I'd stay with mum sort of cleaning in the school. And I'd see what teachers were like after school, which as an eight-year-old or whatever is the most exhilarating thing. Because you're like, oh, look, look at them, you know listening to their conversations and eavesdropping and 
you know, it gives you a real sort of different look into schools. I just um, remember that feeling as a kid of like, if you saw your teacher in like a supermarket, it would like yeah. freak you out. You were like, what are you doing here? Surely you just live at school. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we, like where we used to leave, I was like, oh, they'll probably just be there till the morning, right? That's They're right, just going yeah. go to They got loads to do. They're like yeah. elves, like Christmas elves. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. But like, I, yeah, I saw the background and I've never really thought about it, but I, I think that's where my interest in teaching came from. Mm. Um, and yeah, basically fast forward till sort of end of secondary school. And I wasn't the best student myself by that age. Um, I, I didn't try very hard. I was, you know, there's also lots of reasons for that. But basically it comes to my school placement, you know, when you do sort of year 10, year 11 um, work placements. And I was told you're not allowed to go into a school. It's going to be we wasted on you. So they had like five opportunities to go in and sort of be an extra pair of hands in schools. And I was told you, you can't have it because you, you know, your behavior has not been great. You know, you basically you're not going to do very well and mm. we want to give it to these people who getting great grades doing really well they want to go into school and they want to be teachers and at that time I didn't want to be a teacher it was just something I was playing around with it was policeman teacher that kind of stuff yeah. anyway ironically I ended up being placed in a health food shop um which is bizarre and then literally spent that you know month or whatever that was and um, the end of secondary school with you know a couple of old couple of old dears talking about sort of you know, this extract and this thing for this A campaign. It was great. And I loved that as well. Yeah. And then after that, you know, after GCSEs were all over, secondary school was over, I thought to myself, well, actually, I, I do quite fancy going into a school and seeing what it's like. It's quite fun, you know. Mm. And so off my own back, you know, you get a bit of a longer summer at that age, don't you? And off my own back, I then went and volunteered. So I did actually eventually get into school as a sort of 16-year-old. And the person whose classroom I, met, I was in actually ended up employing me after university because she was the deputy head. So did that, did um, did sixth form, went off to university, qualified as a teacher, came back. And my first ever job was in the primary school that I grew up in. Whoa. My first <laughs> ever classroom was the classroom that I was my first classroom. Wow. I, I worded that well. My first classroom as a teacher was my first classroom as a child, yeah. which was bizarre. That and is. I've since actually had a chat with the lady who was my first ever TA LSA in my classroom, which is just bizarre as well. Um, and yeah, it all sort of came full circle. So that was a really sort of community based way, I think, for me to get into it. And then, yeah, since then, I had a teaching career that sort of went on for about eight years. But I've been in and around schools as an adult for sort of more like 12 years, if you include uni and all that stuff. Um, and that's kind of how I got into teaching. Sorry, very long way around on that one. But then towards the sort of end of my my career, probably probably about two, two years before I left teaching, which is only about five months ago, completely. I was in year six. If anyone's a primary school teacher, they know what that's like. It's the SATS year. Um, this was the year just before COVID and things were tough. Like I'm, I don't, I don't probably talk about it enough, but things were really, really tough. There was a lot of pressure, a lot of stress. A lot of that was placed on myself by myself. Mm. Um, and you know, things weren't in a great place. And then I broke up with my partner of five years, um, which was tough. My mm. LSA who had only been with that year really, you know, she was a very, she was a very sort of grandma figure. She was lovely. She became a nan basically. Um, she went off, um, had with, with cancer and passed away that year so oh, it was man. a lot a lot in that year right <clears throat> that's really a lot sort of tough year and that's when my personal health and well-being just got got to the pits it was bad can i just ask all that stuff happened just before the pandemic yep academic year before so you so, went through a year like that and then the pandemic mate that's that's a lot yeah. that is a lot and it was and at the time the funny thing is, is at the time i didn't didn't give that any 
recognition. Well, you're it's in it, like, aren't you? Yeah. Keep going, keep going, keep yeah. going. And I found myself basically, you know, newly single, going through that. The SATs happened, huge amount of pressure. Um, and that year we had, you know, lovely children in that cohort, absolutely wonderful children. But they would, you know, in terms of ability, that, you know, it just happens sometimes. You just get a cohort of children who just aren't up to the national standard, which again, without getting into politics on that one, mm. we'll get to that later, which is an awful thing to say and an awful thing for a child to feel yeah. that they're not up to standard, but you just get that sometimes. And so the results weren't great and this, that, and the other, and we'd all worked our absolute butts off the whole year. So it was, it was quite upsetting. Um, and then basically it was towards the end of that year. I think it was around SATs. It might've actually been just after SATs. I had a child who found it and any teachers listening will, will kind of be able to put themselves in this position. I had a child who found it very difficult to regulate their emotions and it was a point of development the whole year and we were really getting somewhere but this child you know really struggled with the sats probably you know if we were able to would have had a one-to-one with him really really struggled struggled with his regulating his emotions something happened at break time he came in and i dealt with it a million times throughout my career nothing different in my mind obviously in the background there's all these things stacking up and all that pressure and all that stress that i hadn't yeah. i hadn't recognized and ended up having a panic attack in class and I'd never, I'd only ever had one, which was in Thailand, um, a few years before, and basically didn't know what it was. You know, when, when you don't know what a panic attack is, it is scary. And this happened in, in front of the children or? In front of the children, just oh, come in. man. All sat down and your heart's going, the pain, the panic. Yeah. And ever since then, I've got this weird thing about my breathing. I'm like, if I ever cough too much, I'm a bit like, oh, oh what's going on? Which sounds yeah. a bit weird. Um, no, but it's not all, at all. You know, psychosymptomatic and all these other things. And and basically i was just sheer panic and obviously this was the year when my lsa had passed away so it was just me in the classroom um you know not that she could ever have been replaced but in terms of a job position yeah. she was never replaced and i literally walked out of the classroom was like walked, walked across my co-teacher um opposite who's my year leader and sort of said well, i've got to go lie down and she just kind of looked confused because you know it's not something you do as a teacher you just walk out <laughs> yeah and i was i was just you know, can breathe, heart rate, all that horrible stuff and ended up lying on the sofa in the staff room, calmed down a little bit, didn't know what was going on still, um, was basically went to see the deputy, was sent home, a bit worried, called 111. They said, we'll send a paramedic. I said, I don't need a paramedic. Please, please don't. Wouldn't take, obviously, you know, they don't take no for an answer, right? Yeah. So <clears throat> in my living room, all the machines on me, CG, all that kind of stuff. They said, you need to go to the hospital, went to the hospital, more tests, blood tests, this, that, the other. And basically the doctor, this is your sort of fast forward six hours now. The doctor said, you, your, your heart rate's better than mine. You know, this is better than mine because I've calmed down. Yeah. And he went through the usual questions, caffeine. And he said, stress. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm stressed. I'm a teacher. Like, you know, and he said, well, that's probably what it is. He's like, you probably have too much going on. And that's the first time in my life I'd ever connected a physical, uh, sorry, a mental cause with a physical symptom. Because in my mind, I just never had experienced it. Yeah. And it wasn't something. And since that point, things have been spoken about much more widely. It was never something that I had experienced or knew about. And then it was at that point, I was like, right, I'm, in, I'm into health. I enjoy it. I like running. I've done a triathlon. I like going to the gym. I like, you know, intru- uh, nutrition is interesting to me. I'll do a nutrition qualification. And over the next sort of year or so, it developed into right, I'll become a nutritionist. Then I'll start to work with teachers. And, I, and you know, I, I met met the media bros and, and all of that stuff. And we were like, right, we'll, we'll go into helping teachers. And then it evolved in there. And I was doing that full-time whilst being a teacher, went part-time um, and now I've left. But 
that's the that's my whole life story you, you did ask johnny well <laughs> I, I mean I, I said to the media bros the other day i said like you're the way that you've niched is either absolute genius or madness. It's one of the two. Cause it's like, you know, who even thinks to do that? But my goodness, what a great decision, like to, mm -hmm. to actually focus on helping that, that particular demographic of, you know, or collection of people, like mm -hmm. teachers. I just think it's amazing. And, and so, so pleased that you're seeing success with it because I've got quite a few friends that are teachers. And in some ways, some ways I, I look at myself as a teacher, you know, I'd like to teach self-development. I've got a question for you. Do you have a goal in life? Do you have that one thing that you want to achieve? But no matter how hard you try, there's always something that seems to stop you. I found myself sort of stuck in a rut, really. I've always wanted to write a book, but I've never done it. I just felt completely stuck in a hole and I didn't want to be in it, but I didn't know how to get out of it. For a long time, that was me too. Until I figured out a way to finally overcome my limiting beliefs and not take no for an answer. And I want to teach you to do the same thing. That's why I've designed the Life Goal Discovery four-day masterclass. I feel probably in a more positive place now than I felt in a, in a long, long time. It's genuinely changed my perspective on everything I do on a daily basis. I've done big things. I've done well. Four days of on-demand coaching sessions from myself, showing you how to fulfill your potential and get closer to your goals. Do you want to discover a path to that one thing that you always wanted to do? Stop what you're doing now and sign up for my masterclass by heading over to schoolofselfdevelopment.com. But going back to what you said before, um, have you ever read the book Chatter by Ethan Cross? No. Because <clears throat> he talks about a study in there, what they did, um, uh, they used an MRI to test the sort of, uh, the reaction to physical and, and emotional pain. So mm. what they did, really, really cruel, they, they, put, they took people that had been in a relationship of more than, let's say, 12 months, and they had basically broken up with them and they put them in an MRI machine with a picture of the person that they've broken oh. up with and they've and they, and they just basically did an MRI on them and it's like that's savage that that's is, so that's savage harsh. like as, as somebody that's experienced heartbreak and, and as you said you have too I'm sure um like what a horrible thing to do but they basically did the MRI and and looked at the at the brain and and how the brain lit up and, and what it did um, surrounding emotional pain and then they did the same with physical pain where they simulated somebody holding a hot cup and mm. it burning them and they said that they were more or less the same like that like physical wow. and emotional pain caused the same physical responses and as somebody that has I, I've had um, physical reactions to, to to emotional pain before and, and it, it's very very real very very real mm. So for you to make that connection there is, is something special, especially at that age. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so it, took, yeah. it took me a lot longer, unfortunately. But I mean, that's a heck of a story, mate. And like I said, you know, the fact that you, you've niched down to help teachers. I mean, I can't think of anybody, anybody at all more qualified to, to help someone and support people in that, in that position. But I mean, what happened, what actually happened within you and yourself for you to decide to, to leave the teaching industry. I, I recognize you had the, the panic attack and that must've been quite a, a, a sort of motivator towards it. But what actually made you niche down so much into taking that brave step of helping teachers and coaching teachers? Yeah, so that's, you know, that's a good one. In, in reflection, it should have been an instant logical step for me because I should have gone, oh, this plus this, it's a great idea. Yeah. But I think it was that, it was that event particularly sort of sparked it and then again, if you're if you're a teacher, you'll you'll know what it's like for staff room chatter about diets and exercise mm. plans and this, that, and the other, and 
cutting out carbs and going to Weight Watchers and all this, all these approaches mm. that people take. And again, everyone's got to go through their own journey. Everyone's got to try different things. Everyone's got to find what works for them. So there's absolutely zero judgment from me, but there's just a lot of sort of staff room chatter about diets and weight loss. So I noticed that and I noticed that a lot of my colleagues were complaining about, not complaining, that's the wrong word, sorry. We're talking about sort of feeling, you know, out of breath during P lessons or mm. just not being happy in themselves or being, you know, energy, massive one, having yeah. low energy, relying on coffee, relying on biscuits. And at this point I was sort of doing my nutrition qualification. So I was really starting to kind of understand nutrition and it wasn't just a nutrition quality. You know, I'm a qualified nutritionist, but it was nutrition and coaching. So as you know, then the coaching start brain starts to come in and develop and you're listening to people. So you're asking them a question and I'm like, why is, why is that? Or, you know, why do you think that? Or where did you learn that from? And you have these conversations and basically I came to the conclusion and then I met the media bros. Mm. So at this point I started a company called Forge Nutrition and Fitness. I was working with friends and family mostly and friends of friends, a lot of who obviously my partner's a teacher, uni friends. I'm a teacher, was, was a teacher myself. So a lot of these people were teachers. I just never connected the dots. Um, and then I started working with the media bros and, um, you know, on business development and, and things like that. And I, and they said, well, you know, you're not, you're not kind of seeing this. <laughs> well, what? And they're like, well, you're working with mostly teachers. You are still a teacher. You're talking to teachers every day. You've been a teacher for nearly a decade. You've been around schools your whole life. Like what about teachers? And I was kind of like, was that Jake? Yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah. I was kind of like, actually sounds like him. Yeah. <laughs> I was kind of like, Oh yeah, that's a good idea, isn't it? Mm. Like, like, of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now it's my idea. I'm taking that. Um, but I was, I was like, that's a really good idea because, and I say this to people all the time. Often when I chat to people who want to come into the team, I say, just out of interest, you know, like why, why me? Because I'm always intrigued. As there's a million and one PTs, coaches, online coaches, and you know, it's a quite unregulated industry, as you know. And you know, there's there's a lot of it's what there's a lot of rubbish out there. There's a lot of uh yeah, the standard could be improved. And to have from in my opinion, if I had had me when I was 23, 24, 25, I know that I would be in a better place. So Do I want to be the coach that I would have benefited from, I think. Well, first off, that's a lovely way to look at it. What a lovely way to look at it. I really like that. Like I, I want to be the coach that I needed. Yeah. Mm. That's that's uh that's a really nice way to look at it. But do you feel that if you'd had someone like you that maybe, I know you can't really say, but do you think there would have been a good chance that you wouldn't have got to that stage where you had a panic attack? Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty certain of it because gone. Well, no, I just imagine you having a conversation and just like, even then you saying it out loud, um, all the things that happened to you preceding the, before the, uh, the panic attack. It's like, <laughs> there's this almost like this, Duh moment happening yeah. that you can see going on. Yeah. But that's how life is. Like life just keeps stacking things on top of you indiscriminately until you until mm. you feel it, until you have to acknowledge it. And what you had going on was a heck of a lot. And it's so amazing to to hear you acknowledge that and and to sort of be working towards helping others with the same issues. So yeah. I love that. So so it was a brave decision to niche down because I mean. I would have never thought of that. That's uh, mm. it's brilliant. I mean, how have you found it so far? How, what's the response been to to you working with teachers? But it's been absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, like it it couldn't. I was saying to my partner the other day, like it it couldn't have couldn't have gone better. And I don't mm. mean that from a business point of view. I mean that from 
how helpful it's been to people. Mm. And as you know, Johnny, right, we know each other a little bit now. I find it really, really, really hard. And it's a, it's a teacher trait to pat mm. myself on the back. Mm. Like I've, it's, I find it near, near on impossible to say, well, that was quite a good job. Like, well, that's all right. But at the moment, I'm having a lot of members of the team kind of come to me and just say these things, you know, things like, you know, you've changed my life, things like that. And it's really, really hard because when you know that people are having that, when people are telling you you're having that impact and you know that you're doing that job, do you know what I mean? It's re- But you're then not patting yourself on the back. It's a really hard thing. But any teachers listening, you will know exactly what I mean, that you work unbelievably hard day and night. The thought of your class doesn't leave your mind or your children in your school or whatever, doesn't never leaves your mind, but you still find it really hard to give yourself a pat on the back. And every teacher will know that feeling. So it is going really well. It's been really, really well received. It's lovely to hear like the team sort of talking about how they're getting on at the moment and stuff. And, you know, this isn't a new thing. You know, the business has been going for a few years now. Um, but like I said, I've only really sort of been fully into it for five months before that I was part-time. Um, and before that I was running it literally evenings and weekends. Mm. Like, you, you know what that's like. I'm sure you've done that. It's, <laughs> it's a hell of a lot of work. But yeah. yeah, no, it's been really, really well received. And we're starting to look at how can we get into the lives of every teacher? And like, what, what can we possibly put together that is going to help every single teacher in the country? Because in my mind, my goal was, uh, again, this is like last year, 100,000 teachers. Mm. And that was a crazy goal, would never happen, blah, blah, blah. But now I look at the team and how the team is growing. We're running that event in London for Teachers Health and Wellbeing, the, the first event of its kind. Nothing like that exists yet. And I'm thinking, well, surely we've got the power oh. to reach every teacher. Like it's got to be like, it's surely got to be possible. Mate, I, I don't know how to articulate this, but like, you know, you, you are the teacher's health coach. You, you, you actually are though. <laughs> like, that's the thing. You actually are. You actually, you're, you're well-meaning, you're educated. You, you're now building this team because you're going to need a team. What you're, mm-hmm. you know, I've worked with so many successful people and one of the biggest things they try to do in the beginning all the, always is they do try to do too much on their own. And uh, that, that tends to not work. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so yeah. it's, not, it's, nice to, it's nice to hear that you, that you are taking on a team and that you are getting the support, but you really are the real deal, the teacher's health coach, absolutely. And it makes me, I know that probably is hard for you to hear. You're like, all right, Johnny, yeah, yeah. M- move on, move on. And yeah. I suffer with similar things too. Sometimes when people tell me stuff, I find it like, overwhelming thinking, blimey, it's almost this, this strange pressure that comes with it. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's a very, very odd feeling, but I mean, I really want to go deep on it. Like I, let's talk about the teaching industry. I mean, as I said, you're the teacher's health coach. There's no one better qualified in my eyes to, to talk about these things, but specifically well-being of teachers. Mm-hmm. You know, what do you think, let's say that the top three, fundamentals that have been unhelpful or had an unhelpful impact on on a teacher's well-being what do you think they might be yeah um this could be a long list um uh, let's go with top three top three <laughs> top three yeah um i think and again you know i, I want to preface everything that i say about the teaching industry and education industry i want to preface everything with i'm not i am not the i'm not in charge of it you know mm. i'm not sort of working in government i these are don't observations. Have all the answers. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. an observation. I don't have all the answers. I have a what I would what I would like to think is a pretty qualified opinion. But I, you know, this is my opinion. This is also opinions of colleagues and, and, and friends who are teachers and members of the team. So this is just an observation. Yeah. Um, so there will always be things here that people think 
what about this? What about this? And when you have a top three on a topic like this, you could have your top three and you could think, oh, what about that? And that goes to number one. And then, oh, slot this one in, slot this one in. And like yeah. I say, it could be a top top 15. It's fluctuating, isn't it, all the time? I mean, you know, things like pandemics coming along, that, that changes everything. Things get moved around, yeah. don't they? And it gets really hard. But thinking about it um, under normal situations, I suppose, if that's even the right way to frame it. Yeah, you know, no, what no, I get are that. the sort of the top three fundamental, most unhelpful things? You know, what are the things that have, you know me, I like to stay away from the word negative. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> but, but, but uh, you know, what's had a really unhelpful impact on teachers in the last... I would- I'd say, and I think everyone can agree with this. I think the the workload at the moment, and I'm the same as you. I, I don't want to be, you know, just complaining about things because I understand why sometimes we, we do, and we all we all complain. Mm. But workload is something that has grown within my career. And like I said, it's eight year career. I've got members of the team who have been teachers for 25 years. Right? They've been in it much longer than me, and they they tell me that the workload. The, the amount of different tasks that a teacher is now responsible for and the level of that task and the sometimes the, the tasks that are added to that list, which are actually un, completely unnecessary, has grown and grown and grown. But even in my short eight-year career as a teacher, when we started, when I left at Christmas time, your, your sort of daily workload has it's probably doubled like it's what, it's, what does it look like ridiculous. what does a daily workload look like for oh, like now a you're asking a question john <laughs> <laughs> so i'll try i'll try and be concise on this one but just yeah. just imagine right you know you've got 30 children in front of you so you've got the 8 30 to 3 15 right mm. so that's your actual job yeah so you've got actually being in front of the children constantly fueled by not necessarily adrenaline, but, you know, sometimes you are, you know, sometimes you'll just get up and go and you're on your feet. Most of the time you're talking, you're, you're giving, you're on the go from, you know, 8.30 till 3.15. And that's your job. But within that job, you've also got the actual care, the safeguarding of the children. You've got the actual workload of, of teaching, right? That, that mental sort of stress and strain. Then you've got 30, you know, 25 to 35 typically, little ticking time bombs because you they're people right they're little people you don't know what how they're going to feel you don't know what they're going to do what they're going to say so teachers make tens of thousands of decisions throughout their working week so your brain's constantly doing that and then i could go on about that for ages you've then got ppa time in that sometimes and all this all this that and the other and then you've got things that you don't know are going to happen you've got curveballs you've got a child coming in whose hamster's passed away you've Mm. got you know, parents who might have just recently split up and you've got that to sort of manage. You've got parent complaints, potentially. You've got your emails. So that's just just the 8.30 to 3.15, right? So in, in there, you've probably got about two full-time jobs. Yeah. But on top of that, you then got the planning for all of that. You've got the assessment, the marking and the assessment. You've got data drops, so filling in sort of trackers and spreadsheets, depending on, and again, this is all flexible, depending on the school. You've got parents' evenings. You've got residential trips that sometimes you have to plan for or to school trips you have to do um, uh, sort of risk assessments for. Yeah. You've got, if you're, you might be in charge of a subject. You might be a year leader. You might have parents' evenings. It's, it's a phenomenal amount of work. I would honestly argue, you know, a lot of teachers I know will work sort of um 60 hour weeks re- mm. regularly because i was chatting to someone yesterday she said oh you know my, my school day is 11 hours i'm in school for 11 hours a day 
And then sometimes I come home and I do work in the evening. And that's not, that's not like a, a one-off. I, my, I used to have 10, 11 hour days every single day wow. for the majority of my career. And then you're sometimes working Sunday evening, you're planning this assessment. And any teacher listening will say, what about this? What about this? I've missed loads off there. Yeah, homework, so all sorts more. of stuff, like marking homework, all that sort of all stuff. All that stuff. And, yeah. and then you're not even sort of putting in there the, um, the emotional sort of toll and the mental mm-hmm. toll that the, the profession takes on you. And it is an amazing profession. It's a, it's a passion and it's a vocation for almost every teacher out there. It really is a passion, which is why people give so much of themselves to it. But it does come at a cost or it can yeah. come at a cost. The, the other thing I didn't mention there is PPA. So sort of planning things, planning preparation and assessment time is oh, I'm not going to get this exactly right, but I think for an hour's lesson, it works out to be something. I think it's like two minutes of planning prep and assessment time. It's like two minutes or five minutes. So for every hour you teach, you are given two minutes to do that. Wow. That's the equivalent. That's the ratio of teaching time to planning time. Yeah. Um, it's a little bit different in secondary schools, but then secondary schools often have exam pressures, mock pressures, other responsibilities. And most teachers are subject leaders as well. So I was um, leader of geography. Um, right. Yeah, like PE have, and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. So you've got that. You've also got sort of moderations of, of work. You've got, shouldn't have asked me, Johnny. You've got um, no, trainings. Yeah. You've got CPDs. You've sometimes got twilight sessions. So you might be in school till seven o'clock. Yeah. After after school homework clubs. All that stuff. stuff boosters. Yeah. So games. It's, it's a lot. It, I would honestly argue when you look at it, it's probably the equivalent of two jobs worth mm. or more. You, know, you could probably say three in some ways. When I, when I hear all that, it's like if someone was trying to train someone to neglect themselves, that would be the way they would do it. Mm. Like everything you've just told me is pushing and nudging that person, whoever that person is to neglect themselves. They, they almost are educated to believe that there's no time for them. Because mm-hmm. where is where is you in that? When are you eating? When are you sleeping? When are you spending time with friends and family? You know, mm-hmm. what when when are you doing any of that stuff? You don't have you can't possibly have the capacity to even think about that sort of stuff because you've got these very you know like you say you're you're in charge of say thirty little lives you know yeah. with parents that are like you know make sure you do this for my kid and obviously every parent must come to you believing that their kid is the most important you know mm-hmm. obviously you you know what I mean when I say that because yeah. that's the way parents are. And then, I mean, I didn't even ask, and I, I don't know if I should, but like, <laughs> but like, I mean, that's even before you throw things like neurodiversity in there as well, you know, mm. because there is a there is a growing diagnosis in things like ADHD, autism, all sorts of things, you know. And mm. these are very, as somebody that has a son who's autistic, these are things that need to be thought about, you know, mm. because the, you know those little ticking time bombs. They're they when there's neurodiversity in the equation, it's very different again, and you know, is even more unpredictable. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. So- when you say that, you know, when I say you're, you're teaching a lesson to 30 children, you're mm. not teaching one lesson. Mm. You know, with differentiation for, for different needs and support, Man. bearing in mind that there is no way that every child gets the support they need. And none yeah. of the parents won't want to hear that. But with the way the funding is at the moment, with the way schools are set up, children, not every child can get what they need because you're asking it from one person. You haven't got yeah. six members of staff in most in most classrooms, right? Not in mainstream anyway. No. So you're you're you know that one person is being asked to teach four or five different lessons. Yeah. Simultaneously. Man. Wow. 
So that was uh, so that was uh, number one fundamental unhelpful. <laughs> Let's go on to number two. That will be in there. That that I reckon if you if you did a survey, that would probably 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 is that right? That would probably be number one for most people. What workload? Num- yeah, I, th- I think I think it would be. Um, yeah. And again, that you know we'll, we'll come back to. Um, I don't know if you want to chat about sort of changing that, but we'll come back to that maybe. Mm. Number two would be probably the culture in a school. Right. What and does again, that mean? you know, say again. What does that mean? Culture okay. in a school. Yeah. So, I mean, my culture, my team has taken so long to build and, and what a culture is, right. It is how people feel being part of your community. Right. And it, culture is hard to define, I think, but it comes from communication. Um, it comes from trust. Yeah. It comes from openness and honesty. And basically people need to feel, they need to feel seen and heard and listened to they don't need to feel like decisions are happening beyond them which is don't get me wrong i have absolutely no um no wish to ever be in the shoes of any head teacher or deputy head because it is a really painful painful job you know there's so much that goes into it and you can't as a as a classroom teacher you can't just blame your slt your senior leadership team Mm. it is everyone's responsibility to help adopt that culture and sometimes i think leadership get a really bad rap because it's it's almost like they're in control of education and it's like well, hang on well well the local authority or your you know your multi-academy trust or your your ceo of your trust or the department for education you know the, there's always there's always a starting point of this stuff and it's not your senior leadership team but at the same time you know it's a responsibility that is taken by someone but that culture i think is yeah it's how people feel it's how your how your school is gelled together. Yeah. I, yeah. I think that's the best way I can put it. It's a really, really hard one to put into words. And I did once have a phrase, I've totally forgotten it, which is pointless to mention, but I'll, if you talk for a bit, I'll, it might come back to me. <laughs> no, no. I, I mean, the culture, as you say, the communication, the trust, the, and, and from what you're saying, the acknowledgement of, of the, of, of us being a team or the, you know, the, the, the team, the team in general, mm. I mean, it's, it's leadership is tough. Yeah. Leadership is something that needs to be taught in most cases. Some people are natural leaders. However, those natural leaders, sometimes there can be issues around ego, but na- like teaching is, a, uh, sorry, not teaching, leading is a very difficult thing to do. It's very mm-hmm. difficult because you don't necessarily know the, the needs of the person. Uh, the, they might not communicate it or, or something like that. But yeah. like you say, communication, trust, being able to communicate, talking to people. People don't know what you don't tell them. <laughs> You know, yeah. they just yeah. don't. And trust as well. People need to know that, you know, from, from their workloads, from the things that they're doing um, and all that stuff that you just spoke about, they're managing that and they need support. They need to be, they need to know that they have autonomy to make decisions for themselves, you know, mm-hmm. and to do what's right for them, because that's what will happen. Like, you know, as a teacher, you're on the front line, you're, you're in there in front of the, the students. And as you say, all it takes is for one poor little kid whose hamsters passed away or there's problems at home and that could disrupt the whole class. Now it's not that kid's fault, but it's also not the other student's fault. It's a very complicated like situation. And as you say, having that support behind you, that culture, like for example, when you had your, your panic attack, being able to walk out the first person you saw that was a, a grown up or a teacher or somebody in part of the school 
that must have been like thank god because <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, you yeah. didn't know what was happening and it's like to yeah. see someone else it's like i need to lie down like you need to do something for me right yeah, now yeah. you need to take control of the situation you know and that's all part of the culture that person seeing that one of their colleagues needed help and putting everything else aside and, and trying to support you so yeah i agree culture difficult one to to say as you say yeah did, did it come back to you or not no no <laughs> Right. I've got it somewhere on an Instagram post. I'll try and I'll find yeah. it. You put it in the show notes. But yeah. I I spent ages trying to sum up what culture was, and it's it is really hard. But culture is one of those things that trickles down from the top. Yeah. And again, it's it's really difficult because this can't be one person's responsibility. No. But culture does start somewhere, yeah. and culture needs to. Yeah, it, it will trickle down. So if you look at again, we're going back to the sort of Department for Education and even to local authorities. You look at how people work and how people do things that is going to you know it's an absolute truth that is going to be seen in classrooms mm. you know how leadership behave is going to be seen in your classroom um but yeah that's a big one you know culture could probably take up three spaces in that top three because it's so it's it's huge and it's the hardest one to talk about and it's probably the hardest one to change yeah it really is i think it because it, it, culture is generally aligned with values and beliefs and what can happen sometimes is you've got many people from different walks of life with different value systems and belief systems, and they all mesh together. And the thing about values is that people, they, they feel very strongly about it, you know? Yeah. And it's yeah. like, it, essentially it's their preference on life, isn't it? It's how they would prefer things to be. And then you, you come into a team and you got to compromise mm. and that, that's difficult. That's really difficult. But I, I love, I love, I love what you're saying, you know, like it is about values and it's about people, you know, what people want to do. And, and that acknowledgement right there that you just come up with of saying it, what will people actually do? We mm. all know what we want to do, but what will we actually do? It's like when we had a garden, we had a garden landscape a little while ago and I wanted to put this pathway in. And he said to me, the, the guy doing it, he said, have you actually thought about where this path's going to go? He said, because every time we've walked over to this building, we've walked across this grass like this, but you want to put this path around the edge. And what he was saying is, am I going to build this path and you're never going to use it and walk across the grass? Yeah. And the point of it is, is like, you know, what will you actually do? What mm. will you actually do when you're in there? Because that's what you should work with, not what we'd like to do, what you will actually do, you know? 100%. And I think that's what builds a culture, knowing what people will really do and working with it. It's like working with the tide, isn't it? Yeah. Um, third one. <laughs> Ooh, it's hard because the first, I think the first to encompass so many things for me, it's, I know I mentioned trust in culture, mm. right? Um, but I feel like culture is its own thing. I think trust is such a big issue in schools that it could be its own one. Mm. I really, really do. You know, culture is like we say, it's all the things we spoke about and it's been listened to is a, is a really big part of that. But trust can stand on its own because of how many other things it affects. So what I mean by that, is it links into lots of other parts of a school's sort of ecosystem. Mm. If we, if teachers aren't trusted, um, and then again, it comes right from the top, the, 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 the absolute tip of the iceberg sort of thing, um, or the base of the iceberg, should I say, you know, the DFE and, and all you know, policy that's written and on a real government level, if there isn't trust in teachers, then we are going to be constantly having to prove ourselves. Yeah. And that's where, 50% of the workload comes from 50% of a teacher's workload is probably proving to somebody else who, to be honest, doesn't really need to know being proving to somebody else what you're doing. Yeah. So for example, planning, lesson planning doesn't need these complicated 
performers and list of objectives and how you're going to hit that objective exactly. And it doesn't need to be color coded and it doesn't need to have national curriculum links. And it doesn't need to have your resources. It doesn't need to have all your differentiation. It doesn't need to be, you know, alphabetically ordered and, you know, printed on a certain color paper. Your lesson planning is for you to deliver something to the children so that they achieve an outcome. Yeah. If that's written on the back of a post-it note, does it really matter if the children are having the outcome? So in teaching, because of a lack of trust, and I, I don't know where, I don't really know where this comes from, to be honest, Johnny, I don't have the answer for that, but it's always been there in my career, but it's got a, a 10 times worse. But because there's a lack of trust, you're then creating work because of that lack of trust, because you're saying to teachers, right, you need to prove everything you're doing. We need data reports. We need trackers. We need spreadsheets of those trackers even though you've got them in paper because obviously you know email then you've got you know um parent reports i know schools that do termly reports not so it's a small amount it's usually an annual report at the end of the year but i know schools at the end of each term they write a full report for every single children every single child um you're constantly proving yourself and and you're you've got trackers for your, your your daily readers and you've got trackers for interventions for children who aren't quite meeting a standard and there is just buckets and buckets of paperwork and red tape because there's a lack of trust. And the thing is, is that I can't pinpoint where that lack of trust comes from. And I do almost think it is on a government level, but there are definitely schools out there who make that worse. And yeah. that's not going to go down well, but they create workload because they don't have trust in their teachers. And I can't even imagine how difficult it is to be ahead or, you know, you know, in, in an ELT an extended leadership team across a trust, I can't imagine how hard it is because you do need that. You need to know that people are doing their job. Yeah. So you do need some kind of tangible to track that, but I think it needs to be getting back to the roots of it. It needs to be going into classrooms and not walking into a classroom with a clipboard and your glasses on the end of your nose and tutting mm. and shaking your head saying, Oh, no, I wouldn't have worded it that way. You know, your, your displays aren't colour-coded. Um, teachers will love that one as well. It's about going in and actually being in part of that lesson. Like, if you want to know what a teacher's doing, the the, the culture should be, oh, yeah, hey, Jane, um, I'm going to pop into your lesson, not this morning, because teachers don't want to know that. I'll pop into your lesson next Tuesday. Um, mm. I'll be there by probably about quarter past nine. No pressure at all. I'm just going to pop in. Is there, a, is there a group of children you want me to support? Yeah. And you go in and you work with a group of children. You're not there to judge the teacher. You're there to help. And you roll your sleeves up and you muck in and you get involved. And whilst you're there, you might pick up on things that you might be able to constructively feed back to that teacher who then goes, oh, that's, that's really good. Cheers. Thanks for that. Rather than them getting a performer of you didn't do this, 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 this. And you know, the, I'm not going to swear, but the old, um, uh, can, can I say the... C-R-A-P word. <laughs> you can say, well, you can say yeah, yeah, a, a crap sandwich, you know. Yeah. This was good. You're terrible at this. This was all right. You know, that, that doesn't work. Yeah. People still think, you know, give people a crap sandwich and it will go down easier. You you need to be on the ground. Um, and I, I, again, I know how hard that is for leadership. They've got buckets of workload themselves, so many pressures. But that comes back to our culture and that trust. So, yeah, that would probably be that one. Johnny, I could go on about this for absolutely Mate, forever. Mate, no, I mean, what <laughs> I just pulled from there is that trust. It, it sounds, it feels to me by the way you're describing it, it's like, it's that community versus competition. It sounds like people are being encouraged to compete against each other almost. Like, yeah. you know, instead of it being a community, it's like that 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 proverb saying um, it takes a community to raise a child. 
mm. you know, and it does. It, it takes lots of different characters, lots of different ways of doing things, lots of different approaches. And, uh, and it sounds to me like teachers are being encouraged by, you know, things like, oh, well, so-and-so down there is doing so much better than you. Uh, or this is going so much um, more successful than, than what you're doing. Or have you tried so-and-so's approach? You know, yeah. stuff like that. It's very sort of underhand. But, and, and it's sort of, it feels to me like the objective has been forgotten, which is ultimately that, that the children need to be safe and be taught what they need to be taught. Um, exactly. That's, that's three very large, you know, so that's workload, culture and trust. I mean, how mm. do you feel that these issues can be addressed? Have you got any ideas or? Again, it probably, that's probably an even bigger question. This, um, is a two, this is a two-part podcast, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be here for five hours. Yeah. Uh, um, I, I think, like I said, I think when it comes to, to trust, you know, giving that example there of, you know, maybe a lesson observation, I don't think they should be called observations. Who likes to be observed? Like mm. no one, no one. They call sometimes call them drop-ins when they're just for like a few minutes. No one likes to be likes to be caught off guard or caught by surprise, right? And again, I know it's there to sort of it's almost there to catch people off guard so you see what's really going on. But if your boots on the ground, you you know what's going on. You mm. know, if you're dipping out of lessons because there is no pressure that your staff or the school or whoever it is, you know, talking to people of every single level here in terms of where they are in the career, if people felt comfortable and that culture was positive they wouldn't mind you popping in they'd yeah. be like oh thank goodness they're here they can help out you know because yeah, you feel like you're on side you're like like, yeah, like you said you've got team. you've got all that workload all of that culture that's sort of driven towards self-neglect and then you've got this other thing this yeah. guy who's going to come in and make sure that you're doing this impossible job right yeah <laughs> oh sorry yeah. this person i should say but um yeah exactly crazy and, uh, like <laughs> I, I think i think that's it and i think the other thing a really tangible thing that and i've said this to a few heads and they've you know, this is the thing I've said to you before, I think, Johnny, advice needs to come from the right person said in the right way at the right time. And you need to be in the right place to receive that advice mm. because I can turn around to you and say, Oh, Johnny, not sure about that beard. Right. I, right. You, you know, I love your beard. It's look, looking great. Um, I can say, I could, I could say, you know, Oh, not sure about that. And you'll go, your back will go up and you go, oh, hang on, what, what, uh, so-and-so like, you know, um, try not to swear. <laughs> what an idiot, you know, coming here, telling me about my facial hair. Or, I, feel very, I feel very teary, if I'm honest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, look, you look devastated. Um, but, or, you know, you could be there. I don't know. I'm trying to think of an example here, Johnny. You could yeah. be there itching and scratching. And thinking, oh, I really don't know about this. And I can go, yeah. well, why don't you shave it off? Yeah. Two, the same, I've said the same thing, but it's come at two different times for you in two different ways. You're yeah. in two different places to receive that. So yeah. I've had this conversation with heads before. And again, sometimes it works well. Sometimes it doesn't. But I think... And again, it's it's another really big task, and I know how busy people are. But reviewing what you're asking of, of staff and staff themselves, this isn't just on the leadership here. This is on you yourself as a practitioner. You know, review your day. What do you do in your day? And sometimes I can't remember what the mat uh, the the matrix is called. John, you might be able to remind me. But you know, important, urgent, not important, not urgent, whatever that one's called. Yeah. Putting your your tasks that you do on the day on the grid, and, and trying to find the stuff that you can get rid of. You yeah. know. You either do now, you plan and do later, you delegate or you get rid of, you yeah. know? And I think, and, and it's hard. You've got to be really critical and go through your day and say, I've just spent 15 minutes of my lunch touching up that display. Does it really need to be done? Or could I benefit more? Yeah. Not should I, because should comes with guilt. 
could I benefit more from having a glass of water that I haven't had since eight o'clock this morning, actually having a bite of my lunch and going outside for five minutes and using the loo mm. and maybe get a cup of tea. What is, and, and this is, this is the question, right? What will the children benefit from more? Yes. It, that is the question. It. You're absolutely right. That's that the frame. The if you frame everything in that way, wherever you are on the spectrum in terms of job position, job role, whatever you want to call it, if you say what is going to benefit the children more, everything goes through that lens. Yeah. Not what is going to benefit the school governors, not what is going to benefit the stakeholders in the academy um, who, you know, don't ever come into the school in most cases, not what's going to benefit our next offset. You're not here to make friends, are you? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, 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 uh, I'm winding a lot of people up today. The teacher's going, oh, he's right. Hang on, what an idiot. He's, <laughs> yeah. I was with you until you said this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But and like I said, this is why I preface all this in the beginning, Johnny. This is my opinion. Mm. I am not an expert. Well, I'm not an expert expert. I'm not the person who's going to go into government and change this yet. Um, mm. you, know, say you don't I, know that. No, <laughs> yet, that put the power of the word yet. I haven't um, started working on you yet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, definitely not. Not no. Um, but you know, it's people are going to be listening to this and they're not going to like what they hear sometimes because it's going to be the, the advice they need to hear. Truth is hard to hear a lot of the and time. And, and that's the thing. If you want if you want educational reform, which is what we're talking about here, you're going to have to hear some hard truths. Yeah. You're going to have to do things you don't like doing. But just on a really sort of basic, you know, classroom teacher level, and um, which is, which was, that was my career. You know, I never went into leadership. Um, go through that grid, you know, important, not important, um, urgent, not urgent. Can you um, do now? Can you plan for later? Can you delegate? Can you get rid because yeah. you need to be critical. Sometimes the teachers, because it is such a passion, we we do we do sometimes do things. I'm talking from experience here that we want to do, rather than doing something that we need to do. And what I mean by that is, you know, I I had colleagues and I was myself sometimes loved my displays, loved my resources. So I would spend hours on displays and resources. Didn't need to do that. Why was I? doing that instead of something that had to be done that was a little bit more boring and was just sort of get it done kind of task mm. is because I was almost taking the easy option in, in, in a way. Um, I was going to the thing that I kind of wanted to do because it's a, because it's a passion because it's a vocation. It's something I like. There are parts of the jobs, that, the parts of the job that I like. So I'll do those bits first, yeah. even though they're not absolutely necessary because after a tough day with the class, you sometimes want something that's a little bit easier, something that's a little bit lighter, but yeah, it's hard because you enjoy doing that. But you need to ask yourself, will it benefit the children and will it benefit you? Yeah. You know, that's yeah, the it, question you need to that, ask. It's that analogy of sorting your own seatbelt out before the others yeah. on the plane sort of thing. I mean, it, you know, being the gatekeeper of your mind is, is, is very difficult. It's a challenging thing to constantly be observing yourself as well as other people. But I mean, I, I use something quite a lot with clients called the four Ds, which is do, delegate, delete and delay. And, oh, yeah. and it's just it's just a nice way to remember, you know, when you'll get when you get stuff dumped on you, you know, and it's like, first of all, don't accept it. <laughs> like, yeah. Don't accept it. Go, no, 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 no. You keep that. I'm good. You know, but yeah. like that, that do delegate, delete, delay like that. That's that's a nice, like you say, just exactly the same as yours. Like, you know, do I need to like do that. this right now and get it done? Do I need to delegate it to someone else? Because it's a job that can be easily done by somebody else. Do I need to just delete it? Is it just not mine? Nothing I want to be involved in? Or do I delay it? Can it wait till Thursday? You know, that, stuff that's like that. The, that's the thing. That's the thing. Teachers, 
they're great at wanting to get to the end of a to-do list. Mm. Yeah, yeah. To-do yeah. lists are infinite. Yeah. As a teacher, yeah. you'll never see, and it's a bit it's become a cliche now, to be honest. Yeah. You know, it's it's that, and I'll oh, just leave school a little bit earlier once a week, have an early day. Those are the two cliches in teacher well-being. Both great, you know, but a little bit sort of overused, not dealing with the deeper problems. But it's true, you know, you'll never get to the bottom of your to-do list. So you need to make sure that you're, I'm not sure if I'm answering your question here, Johnny. Um, You need to make sure that you're good enough is good enough because yeah. you'll never, you'll never be good enough for Ofsted. No. When they come in, you will be told things to improve on. You will right. never be good enough for... Um, you know, for, for some members of leadership in some schools, you'll never be good for the enough for the local authority. The only person whose validation matters is yours. And yeah. you can look, you can try and do the best lessons in the world, have the best displays, be there from seven till, you know, six o'clock, have, you know, presenteeism coming out of your ears, you know, always there, always present. And we'll come back to that in a sec. But if you're not saying to yourself, that was a good, it's very ironic and very hypocritical. But if you're not saying to yourself, that was good. Like good job. Like well done. Like fair play. You 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 smashed that. Yeah. And you're not saying to yourself that was good enough. And even days where, you know, as teachers we feel we always need to be hundred percent. There are days where your hundred percent is going to be relative, and it's going to be actually forty percent. Yeah. There'll be days where your hundred percent will be. Teachers didn't kill me for this one. One hundred and ten percent. Right. It will be like beyond beyond. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No such thing as 110%. <laughs> it's true. But you know what I mean? Your, your best and your good enough will be relative to you. If yeah. you just come back from a residential and it's Friday afternoon, the children are absolutely off the wall, you're going to be knackered and your good enough needs to be lower. You need to be flexible. You need to move that bar. You can't be the same person seven days a week, 365 days a year, because that's not how we work as people, particularly yeah. as teachers, because I always say to the team, you've got pinch points in the year. And this is something else that people can do to sort of help resolve these issues. They can think about where the pinch points are. So you've got, and you can map out your year, you can map out your term, you can map out your half term, you can map out your week even, even on a daily basis. Where are the pinch points? What's going to happen where things are going to get tough, right? Yeah. Parents evening, report writing, you've got a twilight, you're in charge of a staff meeting, mm. worst people to present to. Or, or, or even... Even including like real life events, maybe your partner's having an operation or yeah. uh, there's something yeah. coming up in the year that's going to mean, I don't know, that you're going to have to do the driving or you're going to have to do the cooking or something, you know, yeah. something's yeah. changed in your life. And I mean, 100%. I think I think you're right. You know, the question was like, how do you feel that the issues can be resolved? And the top one for you seems like it was review, but reviewing with sort of learning what actually is going to help people. Like not just going in and making a review, something that, oh yeah, we do a review every month. Like, no, no, no. What did mm. you get from it? Let's actually do it as a review to help people um, in what they're doing. And these things are very often going to be simple. It's going to be, can I get a bit of help? Can yeah. I get a bit of time? Can I have a minute, That's please? That's it. <laughs> you know? That's it. Like I, yeah. I meet so many um so day what I noticed is a weird thing I noticed, but there was a time when me and my wife used to live um, somewhere else. And uh, on that estate was a lot of um, teachers. And I remember being at a barbecue and it wasn't until like I was barbecuing and I'd spoken to the third, maybe fourth teacher that evening. And all of them were dying for a wee. And I was just like, why are you standing there doing the wee wee dance? <laughs> like yeah, when you yeah. could just go and it's just, oh, I've just got so used to holding it. And I thought about that and I thought, if you can't 
address like like the urgency to go to the toilet that is a fundamental need right that is something mm-hmm. that you need there's no doubt about it like your body is sending you a very clear message time to empty the bladder but you chose to ignore it if you're mm-hmm. doing that on that basic level what are you doing elsewhere in your life what else are you ignoring mm-hmm. what else are you putting off you know and yeah. i think it's it's a it comes right back around again to teachers well-being mm-hmm. like looking after themselves as individuals which to some degree is influenced by external factors, but is also really something that people should be owning. Yeah. You know? And now I said that you didn't. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so uh, you know, I'll, 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 I won't get the comments. I won't get the lash, uh, yeah, lash back backlash. No, but that, backlash. That, that's the hard thing, isn't it? It's like when it comes to, and I don't love the word positive, but when it comes to positive and permanent change for the, be- you know, things happening for the better, the first step is acknowledgement. The second Mm. step is ownership. It's okay. What out of this situation can I take control of? What Mm. out of this situation can I take ownership? How can I, you know, help myself in this situation? Yes, there's always going to be other people involved, other organizations involved, bureaucracy, whatever it is. Mm. But there is so much of your life that you have control of yourself. You know, Mm. so much of it. And people don't realize that because by the sound of it, they're being beaten down by a very, very heavy workload. You know, and, you know, one of the things I'm not even I'm not even going to go into it because I'm pretty sure it's a whole podcast on itself. But burnout, burnout in the teaching industry is like, it's almost comical. It's like it's like Mm. you've got to be kidding me. It's (laughs) it's unbelievable. It's 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 like we've currently got a a teaching bucket with a bunch of holes in the bottom Mm. and the government solution is to pour more water in it. Yeah. Yeah. Put more adverts on the TV, which. I don't know if you've seen one of the adverts, but there's a secondary school teacher and he walks out of school with the children. <laughs> what world is he on? I want to go there. What world is he living in? He, he puts his satchel on and he, he goes out in the sunshine with the children. Yeah, it's the same with the, um, my brother says a similar thing about the Navy adverts. <laughs> yeah. it's like, he says like, it's like selling uh, an idea that's potentially not, real <laughs> yeah yeah but anyway that's another thing entirely i was just speaking to a, a navy person at some point i'm sure but i mean you know we're, we'll move we we'll move forward there's so much there and as you say the more i hear the more i'm like i want to ask a million questions but we'll, we'll never we'll, we'll never stop yeah. talking will we but i mean here's the big thing i mean what impact has the pandemic had on teachers health and well-being do you feel I'll, I'll try and be a bit more concise with this one. Um, well, well, let me just let me just say before that, I know the impact that it's had as a parent. You know, during lockdown, yeah. good luck finding a parent that doesn't <laughs> hear the word homeschooling and instantly want to drink. <laughs> like, <laughs> it, it was it was it was the best efforts of of any school and any government, but it 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 was a nightmare. Mm. Homeschooling mm. was a nightmare, but I've since spoken to teachers and, and heard a different perspective and it yeah. is very interesting. So I'll ask the question again, what was the impact of the pandemic on teachers' health and wellbeing? So I think for me, um, obviously you've got, you know, you've got things like fear over their own safety, but once I, I actually feel just from my school. Um, and again, this is a very, this is a, not a generalization, just talking about my school. Once we sort of got into it, and children started to come and back into schools. Um, and sometimes teachers weren't in the, those classrooms. You know, sometimes it was TAs, LSAs, HLTAs. So like um, learning support assistants, higher level teaching assistants, um, sort of support staff. 
sometimes they were quite often actually running the class whilst the teacher was in another room homeschooling or or remote teaching should i say remote teaching the children at home and that was also being beamed into the classroom with the key worker children who are in school that's one setup that might have been happening sometimes the teachers were teaching live to the home to the key worker children and the children who who were invited into school whilst being recorded for the children at home so there's all these different setups most of which included Microsoft Teams, Google Classroom, um, Zoom, all these other sort of platforms. But basically, whoever you were in school, you were doing multiple jobs at once. Mm. You were doing two jobs at once. So once that had kind of come back in and, uh, you know, there's like four, three or four free lockdowns, so it's hard to remember which one was which. Yeah. Um, once that had happened, people's fear of actually becoming ill, typically speaking, did sort of go down a little bit. In most cases, obviously, some people were still very, very scared, rightly so. I was quite anxious. Um, I knew members of staff at my school who were still very, very anxious. So that impact of the pandemic there was was felt then and there, that 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 health impact. Yeah. And I know lots of people are still feeling that today. You know, yeah. COVID hasn't disappeared. There's still COVID in classrooms. And lots of members of staff are still very, very anxious about it. Um, so not to sort of um, put that down, that's still a, that's still a valid point. So that's one, one impact, the sort of health um, I don't know how to word that really, but just the worrying of you know the anxieties around health and COVID. That's yeah. definitely one. The other thing I would say is the big one for me that I'm still experiencing with all my clients, pretty much 100% of them, is the accessibility. So teachers have always been in my career growingly accessible. So at one point in early on in my career, we the parents were then given our are school emails. So you're then getting emails from parents. Then the pandemic happened and then um, your children can access you via Microsoft Teams or Google Classroom, or they can they can send you an email. Some schools, the children had your email or you're using you know Seesaw or um, some of the other software that's like a bit of a portal for the parents and the children. So teachers have never been more accessible. But the worrying thing is, is it wasn't like we went back into class and people were like, should probably switch this off now and you know they're back in class now let's give teachers a break this most of them are still going most schools still use things like google, um, google classroom Microsoft Teams. they still use those things so teachers are now in some schools accessible by their pupils almost 24 7 and accessible by parents almost 24 7 and i always say to my my clients you don't need it on your phone mm. you don't need you don't get rid of the app turn your notifications off and people say well yeah i'd just like to know What's worse, having it on your phone and it going up, going off at half past nine when you and your partner are trying to relax, mm. or going off on a Sunday morning and waking you up, or is it is that is that worse, or is the fact that you might miss an email from a parent worse? Like, you need to learn when you're you know a teacher's contracted hours very very funny. A teacher's contracted hours I can't remember exactly what it is, but it's minimal. It's literally I think it's like five hours a day because they don't class your lunch break, or it's six hours a day. That's your contracted time. So from what I said at the beginning, you can see how much time is actually out of contract. Yeah. Tens and tens of hours a week, right? So that's probably it. It's probably the accessibility of teachers has never been higher. And so people feel like they need to be <clears throat> constantly on demand, constantly on the go and constantly accessible. For me, that has been the biggest impact because yeah. that then goes into, oh, how do you do your homework? Well, it's no longer sending home a sheet. 
if that's what your school do you now you're now setting it on google classroom and then you've got to check it or you're now using you know like century tech great bit mm. of software by the way but now you're at home on a saturday night and your partner's gone out and you're sitting there thinking could just could just do that. Could now just log on, have a little look, and you're oh, and you're man. working on a Saturday night, and yeah. it's not it's not the fault of a teacher, but it is your responsibility. And this is the thing: everything we've spoken about today, it's not the fault of a school how the state of education is, but it is definitely their responsibility to do something about it. Yeah, and it's hard to hear, even though something's not you didn't cause this, it's still on your shoulders to fix. That's really hard to hear. Yeah, no, no, and that's why I said it earlier because that accountability, nothing will change until you take responsibility for what you can, mm. you know. But you know what, what you just said there. I mean, <laughs> fear, health concerns, accessibility—they're massive, massive things. That accessibility at the end, it is it, basically exposure, isn't it? Like you've exposed, mm. you've you, you've exposed a vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Um, to the teachers now that they now that now that not only do they have to answer to i don't know their boss or whoever the head teacher whatever however it works they're now answering to students and and now parents as well like like mm-hmm. I, I, so I can't tell you how many clients that i've i've supported with their anxiety and one of the biggest changes they made was they took all non-essential notifications off their phone mm-hmm. that's the only action they took in the beginning so when they're sat in the car when they hear a beep every second from Sky News, from Twitter, from BBC News, from um, Instagram, normal messaging, email, mm-hmm. on and on and on and on. And all these things, like think about what it is. It's an alert. That's what it yeah. does. It alerts you. It puts you in a state of alertness. It, yeah. it, it requires an action. You know, yeah. like that thing's just not singing away for fun. It, it wants you to do something. And mm-hmm. it's like, as a, as a parent, you, um, you you might have, you know, the demands of your children, the demands of your partner, but you're also a teacher, which means you've got the demands of the school. Now you've got this bloody phone going off all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, I can't imagine the level of anxiety that would cause. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, that's the thing, you, you know, like in, in that pandemic, you got to remember that there was a time where teachers, you know, I said about their sort of the online learning thing, online teaching. You've got to remember there was a time where I was in this room with my desk, slightly different place. And, teaching from my from this room yeah i was teaching in my house yeah and i I know that obviously everyone was working from home don't get me wrong you know vast majority people were working from home but a lot of people have sort of returned to this new normal or this hybrid way of doing it or they're chosen to stay working remotely but they go to a coffee or whatever but teachers are now back in person and in some ways a lot of us are still working at home yeah and we always have done we always you know i know people that will bring home 60 books every single week and every single week their sunday morning they'll wake their children up set the children up in front of the tv or or again that's not something i'm not bashing parents of that i'm not a parent and i definitely that would be my go-to i don't know Mm. i I couldn't think of anything you know harder to manage or they'll set an activity up for their children or the children go out and play in the garden whatever it is and they'll be sat there sunday morning cup of coffee doing their work and 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 this is such a hard thing and I, i genuinely feel that you don't know what it's like to be a teacher until you have walked in those shoes. Yeah. Because yeah. people give teachers such a bad rap saying, oh, you're only weak, you're whinging all the time, you get good pay and you get your holidays. And actually, when you, like I said earlier with that working week, when you work out how many hours teachers spend working over the course of a week and you work out how much they work during the holidays, go and hmm. set their classroom up, 
doing extra marking, doing whatever, planning, medium-term planning, whatever it is they're doing. Teachers don't have that holiday. Most teachers, some teachers are great about it, and I love that, but most teachers will work at some point during that holiday. That's their choice and how they choose to do things. But when you actually think about it, when you look at the holiday they actually get, when you take all that out, and then you sort of take those working hours during a normal week and you spread that out over the year across what would be the holiday, you, they get probably the same amount of holiday as anyone else. Yeah, no, you know, you're right. And, you and that's the point. That's the point of this podcast episode. It's to, it's the, you know, the self-development podcast is about helping everybody with their self-development. And, mm-hmm. you know, this is all spurred from talking to you all many times and we've done some work together um, and we'll work together again. And so I'm really beginning to understand some of the challenges that are, are there for teachers. And, you know, mm-hmm. I, I heard this, um, definition the other day of uh of anxiety and it's the awareness of infinite possibility and i just thought you haven't someone's knocking on your door yeah <laughs> sorry if you can hear that guys <laughs> no you know the awareness of infinite possibility isn't that like the most terrifying you know mm-hmm. and now you've got teachers that are like accessible all the time with the biggest workload ever um their culture doesn't support them um, they're not feeling like they're trusting, they're being encouraged to compete against each other instead of building a community. Um, and it just feels like a very unsustainable situation. Mm. You know, like you're saying, something must change. It has to, you yeah. know? I think, I, think, I think the latest statistic that I saw was 52% of teachers are strongly considering leaving the profession in the next couple of years or next three no. years, or don't quote me on that, but no. it, it was 52%. And it was basically that half. We're not talking, we're not, I, th- I think there's about 600,000 active teachers in the UK. I think, don't, again, don't quote me on that. Mm. Um, but you're talking 300,000 people potentially leaving their profession. Like this isn't, this isn't like, oh, someone's whinging about, you know, yeah. they, didn't, they didn't get their, you know, I don't know, their day off or they didn't, they didn't get that early finish on a Friday. This is yeah. 300,000 people. That is bonkers yeah and that is. The, the problem is is this is this is a pandemic of its own within within education yeah and again gone no no go ahead Sorry. I'm, saying, I was, I'm not gonna get political about it but well it is all political let's be honest it is all political but without talking about my own sort of political biases and, and things like that you know we need reform and we need a government that stands up for education not a government that cuts funding and has done for you know quite some time um and we we need we need people in this country who are going to support the public sector yeah yeah you you talk about that in the nhs as well you know it's it's just it's like yeah it's it's hard you know and my sort of last question really um on this before we start talking about what you do as the um as the teacher's health coach is like mental health like briefly the mental health of a teacher right now what's that look like it's not good no it is the probably the the nicest to hear way i can put about it probably nine out of ten teachers i talk to about maybe joining the team or i i chat i spend hours a day just chatting to people on yeah. instagram facebook just having conversations um Usually before and after school, obviously teachers aren't there in the corner. So <laughs> <laughs> that would blow your what, point out of the water. Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing, miss? No, nothing. Keep, keep, keep going. Keep going. Um, no, like, <laughs> but I do spend a lot of time um, chatting to teachers and 
nine out of 10 people are, say, are, are struggling like to a severe degree where they would do with support. And, and this is exactly why I'm sort of partnering up with Ed Support. Mm. Um, little plug there. Um, but you know, Ed Support, an amazing charity. They are absolutely fantastic. They, there is unbelievable. They, they have a hotline for teachers. Um, I'm not, I'm actually not hundred percent if it's 24 hours. I don't think it is 24 hours, but they have a hotline where if teachers are in, not even in crisis, but if you're just feeling like you're getting to that point, they are there to talk to you and they understand. What an incredible thing. You know, it's, what it's an such a small thing. charity, such yeah. a small charity, but it's doing work that nobody else is and is so necessary. Like, I, I have no qualms about saying that they're saving lives. Yeah. You know, they, they, they have to be. They really, really do. Um, so Ed Support, if, you, if you're ever sort of struggling, you know, Ed Support is, I wish I knew they were there. And again, like going back to what I said earlier, that's why I partner with them because I wish I knew that they existed. Mm. you're an incredible person mate you really are i mean i'm I'm gonna finish up by asking you um what actionable and tangible things can people do for themselves and how can you as a teacher's health coach help teachers what what is it that you can help them with okay um i think with helping themselves i think again acknowledging that it's not your fault but it is your responsibility which is very hard to hear yeah really blowing hard to hear but you need to hear it. You know, it's not your fault, but it is, you're the only person that is going to be able to make that change. Even if there was education reform, the lifestyle that people have lived and the habits they've built up and the way that they think about themselves would stay. And mm. so those are the things that we need to address. And um, knowing, like I said earlier, knowing that you're good enough is good enough mm. has to be doing that review for yourself. You know, the four D's yeah. going through that review and what you're doing for yourself. I think that's a really, really good idea asking for support and reaching out whether that's ed support whether you know it doesn't matter who it is if you are going to talk to a colleague just do me and them a favor just do what i call like a little capacity check with them so often as teachers will walk into the room and we've always got a teacher bestie teacher mate or whatever we walk in and we're like Bleh. yeah you know here's my like you said before here's my bag take yeah. my bag right yeah. here's my and uh, we understand why because it's so heavy but you need to, you, you don't know what that person's going through. And you don't know whether they are holding two yeah. bags right now yeah. Yeah. and you're giving them a third. So yeah. do a little capacity check to say like, <sighs> I need to say something here. Can you hear me? You know, are you going to hear me or are you going to listen? I can't yeah. remember which way that come, comes around, but yeah. are, you, are you just hearing or you're listening sort of thing? Yeah. Um, and do that because if it's the other shoe was on the other foot, you, you'd want someone to sort of give you that. Um, and something that's popped into my head, Johnny, that I haven't sp- said yet, but you, you mentioned something earlier about feeling like it's the, the smallest thing that tips you over. Or you said something along those lines. The analogy that I always use with um, the team is it's, you know, teaching is like you're holding a thousand plates and then mm. someone comes along and puts an egg, egg cup on top and then you drop it all. And then you kick yourself about dropping the egg cup or you mm. kick yourself because Oh, oh my God, that, that egg cup caused me to drop, you know, to drop, drop everything. It wasn't the egg cup that caused you to drop your plates. It was the fact that you are holding a thousand plates in the first place. Yeah. So knowing that, and that got links into sort of, you know, you need to reach out for support. You need to ask for help um, when, when you need it, really. Apologies. If you can hear that, we've got the window cleaner around, um, which is probably ruining this audio. <laughs> it's not, mate. It's not. No, I, 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 like I said, Every single time I podcast, the guard, the, like garden starts going off and, you know, all sorts of noise. Something comes up. Dog it's, barked a minute ago. It's, it's real life, mate. It's real life. You, know? you, have to, you have to turn my audio down at that point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so as a, 
finishing up, how does the Teachers Health Coach help? How can you help? So we work with people um, essentially, as, as you said earlier, to feel great in themselves. And mm. that doesn't look like one thing. There is not one thing. You know, we are not just a weight loss program. I'm not a fat loss coach. In fact, I get really offended when people call me that. Um, it's about feeling great in yourself. Notice how I didn't say look great. I said yeah. feel great. Yes. Two completely different things. Yeah. Um, we help people Definitely. find that balance, you know, balance with teaching, balance with life. It's unbelievable how often people come to me and say, I've got a terrible relationship with food. All I eat is bad food. Yeah. Right. It's like, what's a, what's a bad food? No, it's a thing. Is <laughs> the devil gone and cooked it up for you? I don't understand. What's, what's a, what, what is a bad food? But this isn't that person's fault. No, but it's their responsibility. It's a belief they have around food. And that balance includes balance around food, balance around exercise, balance around your own mindset, balance around teaching, learning, all that stuff. Um, and, you know, we, we, we help people to feel great, to, to find that balance. And as you said, earlier, to forge healthier, happier lives, that that's it, right? There, there's two things that we all deserve and it's to be healthy and happy. Yeah. And, uh, and I know that before you've, you know, you said happy, you know, I think, I think it was you, but I'm not sure actually, you know, happiness isn't a continuous state. It comes and it goes and it ebbs and it flows, yeah. but it's about, rhymed that. <laughs> it's about, yeah. um, MC, MC Charlie. <laughs> yeah. On the mic. It's, a, it's, it's about be, helping people to have more of that in their lives. Yeah. Because I'll talk to teachers all the time and they'll say, I don't like myself. I, mm. I haven't been happy in years. I need to rediscover me. I feel like I'm just mum, dad. I feel like I'm just Miss XYZ, Mr. XYZ. You know, I'm just, you know, sir, miss, whatever. I feel like I, that's what I am. And yeah. the thing, like you said, because teaching is so all-encompassing, it does sometimes strip people of their identity. Yes. People yeah. feel like they've, they're they just that. Yeah. Is, is, I, it, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, you know, not just that as in you're just a teacher. That's not what mm. I mean at all. No. When you're a teacher, you're a million and one different things, right? Mm. But that's not who you are. You are not a teacher. Teacher is part of you. But people lose that. They lose themselves. And that leads then into sort of their nutrition, their movement, their sleep management, their stress management, which then leads them to maybe feeling uncomfortable in their own skin, maybe having terrible energy, maybe not playing with the grandkids. Yeah. The best thing, I best, best, one of the best things I've ever heard was a client who had, I think their child was about two or three. I, I can't remember. This was about a year and a half ago. She'd never been on a piece of play equipment with her child because wow. she felt so self-conscious. She, you know, she literally said to me, I can't fit. I can't fit in there. I can't fit in the, in the tunnels. I don't have the mobility and the energy to go through the tunnels with my child. And by the end of it, she was playing with, with her child twice a week on this play equipment. Oh like, man, that's really nice. That yeah. doesn't get better than that. Like no. it gives no. you back and, you know, without sounding as cheesy and cliche as, as I possibly can here. Um, but I guess what we do is we give people back life mm. in a way. Their life. That's, yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's probably what we do. That's as short as I can make it. I mean, I hear community, you're creating a community. People do not move forward in a positive direction without community mm. you can't do it on your own you just can't and yeah. the, the the annoying thing about that is when you start to get towards that un, unhelpful place or that uncomfortable place and you start to experience those difficult emotions guess what you want to push yourself away from everyone you want to isolate you want mm. to move away from people 
because the paranoia and insecurities all start, you know, and it's all part of your slowly unraveling health. You know, mm. it's something that happens incrementally. It's like life just takes a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more until you find yourself in a place where you feel like you can't handle it. And the other thing you said there was balance. You know, I, I like to look at it as harmony because balance suggests that, you know, people talk a lot about work-life balance, but the mm. fact is that would be saying that both of them need to be the same. Yeah, That's not yeah. what needs to happen. It's harmony. And it's like, and this is showing my age, but do you, you know, when you have a graphic equalizer, do you know what that is on music? You know, where it will show you the bass, the bass is up, the, the treble's down. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. And if you, as you notice, as the song's playing, it's fluctuating. The bass is going up and down, the treble's going up and down, different sounds are, are making sounds, and this is all going like that. And that's life. That's harmony. You know, mm. things are changing and evolving all the time. You know, you can't have the same attitude at school as you do at home. You can't mm. have the same attitude with your friends as you do with your partner. You know, this is all different fluctuating feelings and emotion. And it's, it's allowing yourself to create that harmony and allow yourself to experience mm. these emotions, good, bad, whatever. They're all there for a reason. There's a reason why you're angry. It's mm. a reaction to an uncomfortable emotion. What is the emotion? Let's spend some time there. I don't want to. Well, <laughs> there, you, there you go. There's a problem. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. and, that's, and that's where the community comes in because you'll go in and you'll say, has anyone else? And they'll say, yeah, me. Straight mm. away, you feel, oh, thank goodness. Someone understands. And yeah. that has so much value. And that, that's what you've created. And then the yeah. last thing, health, mental, emotional, um, and physical health. All of these things make a difference getting enough sleep drinking enough water eating enough food you know mm. all these things activity yeah. you know all of these things make a difference and this is what you're providing community um balance harmony health for that particular person you know mm. who's having those troubles and i just think it's fantastic i have a lot of respect for what you're doing mate really do thank you the uh, the teacher's health coach who doesn't like taking compliments. <laughs> <laughs> Lucky no one can see my see how red I've gone. <laughs> oh mate, it's going to YouTube. <laughs> oh no, no, no. Is it actually? It is, yeah. Oh, should have should have tidied up those boxes in the yeah. background. Yeah, and then there's the makeup. I mean, we'll talk about that after. But yeah, <laughs> but listen, this has been an absolute pleasure, and I could do this again. Maybe we'll do a, a live on Instagram or something. But um, what's to. what's next for you, and where can people find you? Um, so people can find me. I'm very, very basic. I'm the teacher's health coach everywhere, but I'm separated with full stops. So the dot teachers dot, etc. because Instagram handles, uh, everyone's taken one. Um, so yeah, I'm the teacher's health coach mainly on Instagram, to be honest with you, because I like that platform, I like to use it. Facebook. I've got a little bit of a presence there. Twitter. I can't even remember what my Twitter handle is. I'm not on Twitter massively, to be honest. Um, I'm not really a big fan of edgy Twitter for myself. Um, but those are the two places I've got a little podcast. Um, it's nothing like yours, Johnny. Uh, I'm, I'm not great with it, to be honest. <laughs> it's uh, sort of a, an episode once a month, if I'm lucky sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've got that. If you want to listen to that, it's literally just called rewriting wellbeing. Um, the biggest thing we've got coming up is this event in October that I'd like to talk about. If that's all right. No, go for it. Definitely. So it's literally coming together as we speak, you know, it's not, finished at all but we've got our venue sorted deposits going down soon so it's in st paul's it's in in london really nice venue we've got lots of guest speakers already sort of um 
confirmed. We've got Simon Bolger, who is that well-being guy. Incredible. He's come and worked with my team before. Um, we've got Andrew Cowley, who's author of the Wellbeing Toolkit, and I believe the Wellbeing Curriculum is his new book. We've got um, potentially a few more guests. Who else is confirmed? Um, we've got Jen Foster from Good Morning, Miss Foster. If, if you're on Teachergram, you'll, you'll know her. Um, we've got Mitch from Grammasaurus. He's coming to to sort of um, he's he's our he's our sponsor as well. Um, we've got Mr. Max, so um, Dan McFarland. Um, have I got his name right? I think I did. Uh, who's been on an awesome? He's a teacher. Um, awesome health and wellbeing journey. He's going to come and tell us about that journey. We've got loads of awesome guest speakers, and we've got the capacity for. 400 people wow. so it's there's nothing else like this that is health and well-being specifically for educators who are in the classroom that is on a day where actual real life teachers can come and it's not just just head teachers and sort of extended leadership or you know ceos of trust it's for the people and i don't yeah. want to sort of you know but it is it's for the people it's for the people on the ground the people who need it these things don't work if it's just a couple of people from a school who go, you know, if the wellbeing league goes, that's great. But if they go, the messages aren't going to come back in the same way and they're not going to get the experience of being there. Um, we've got yourself coming. I hope, I think. Um, Absolutely. You can't won't miss it, mate. Yeah, no, it's, it's going to be it. awesome. And we've, we've got, we've, yeah, we've got loads of other guest speakers coming. He's basically going to cover everything. You know, we, we built these pillars up for, for the event and it's self-development with yourself it's nutrition and movement with me. We've got um, a running coach coming, Dan, who's going to talk talk about that and bringing running clubs into school. We've got Simon Bolger, who is school culture and well-being. We've got Andrew Cowley, who is well-being for schools as well. We've got Jen, who's going to be children's well-being. We've got Alfresco Learning, who is getting outdoors, children's well-being with nature, adults' Love well-being that. with nature. We've got Dan, we've, we've got all these people and we're coming to basically put up these pillars of well-being for teachers the different areas of health different facets of health that we need that's what the event's all about um it's an expo as well so you've got an expo hall we've got free um mas- i don't know what the plural of masseuse is but we've got a massage company come in <laughs> who are going to be doing massages all day we've got breakfast if you like croissants you, you know grab yourself a ticket we've got free breakfast free lunch we're going for a big old social after so we'll go for dinner and maybe a couple of drinks if people want to so it's a whole day it's, it's an event it's not a conference it's not stuffy you're not coming as a teacher you're coming as a person um who happens to be a teacher so yeah big old plug on that one mate but that's october that's- uh, so so do, so you said St Paul's. Obviously, that's not St Paul's as everyone knows it. Where where is that? No, not in not in St Paul's. Yeah. Be, wow. Yeah. Uh, so it's two hundred Alders Gate. So it's in the St Paul's area. There's a sort of a junction roundabout. Um, I think it's the Museum of is it Museum of London or History? I don't know. I'm terrible with London geography. But it's two hundred Alders Gate. Sort of a big round area. I think it's Museum of London or something is, is written on the wall outside. Big yeah. glass building. Um, but yeah, it's the ETC venues at 200 Alders Gate. Um, 22nd of October, 2022, 10 a.m. Yeah. to 4 p.m. 10 a.m. because we want people there rested. Um, and yeah, it's going to be great. It's going to be really, really good. What's it called? Um, it is called Rewriting Wellbeing. Rewriting Wellbeing. Cool. The, oh, I can't remember. The the well the well being <laughs> event for educators. That's it. That's if it. you can't remember, I ain't got a shot, have I? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Mate, yeah. listen, uh, this has been fabulous. You're amazing. Um, I I I get this real sense that you are at the beginning of something very very special. Um, and that along the way you're going to collect all the people that you need to make a really significant impact on this. This is a very 
you know, we've 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 had some laughs during this conversation, but it's a very serious, very complicated issue. And yeah. I think that it needs it needs to be spoken about more. It needs awareness needs to be raised and support needs to be provided. Um, it's a very serious, these are the people that, you know, I see so many selfless acts from teachers every single day, just with my own children. And I hear them from my friends. Teachers are very, very special. And I know so are nurses and so are doctors and so are police officers. I know all that, but we're, we're talking specifically today about teachers. Um, it's been absolutely lovely to if take it in the way I mean it. It's been lovely to hear about what's going on on the other side. You know, as I said, I know my experience and my wife's experience and many other friends uh, that dealt with homeschooling. But to see and hear what it's, the impact it's had on the teachers, it's been a real privilege. So thank you for that. Yeah. No, mate, and, it's been great. It's been brilliant. So thanks for your time, bud. And uh, yeah, I'll speak to you soon, I'm sure. <laughs> Take care. Take care, mate. So... That's all from me for this episode. Thanks again to my podcast producer, Charlie, from Chatter Podcasts. And I'll catch you next time for another episode of the Self-Development Podcast.